Good to see you all. Um, good to be in worship together. I feel like I've kind of preached too many sermons already this morning, uh, and this is like number three, so I don't know how long this will be. Uh, kind of went along in the first service, so we'll uh, see what we can do in this one. Um, but it is good to see you. Um, it is good to be in worship. If you're a guest with us, we're just especially glad to see you today. We're thankful that you're here. Uh, don't believe it's an accident that the Lord led you here today. And if you're a regular, it's great to see you today. Uh, I just believe uh, that God has something good for all of us. And for those of you online, we are super thankful for this technology that keeps us connected uh, and allows you to be a part of this even when you can't be here when you want to be. So um, we are in the third week of a series on anticipation. And uh, we're, we're just talking about what are the gifts that we receive at Christmas, through Christmas, and well, we've talked about hope, and we've talked about love, and uh, this week we're going to focus on peace, and uh, we're really just kind of looking at what, what is this gift of peace that we receive together, and there are there's some Christmassy type of verses that are read every Christmas, and you've heard them if you're in church at all, you've heard these verses over and over and over. And sometimes we hear some verses so many times we lose what they mean or we, we miss what they mean. And I think this verse that we're going to look at today is kind of our key passage. Uh, it's in Isaiah chapter 9, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. Um, this key passage in Isaiah chapter 9 is one of those. And, and when I read it, you're going to say, oh yeah, I know that. I, I've heard that. Um, it, it's so familiar to us. But oftentimes, even as we hear it, we don't fully understand what it means or how to experience it. And so we want to dig into that today and, and really understand this gift that is given to us. And it's in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7. And I want to just pause and pray before we read these and kind of jump into this material. Because this is one of those messages that I believe um, you can leave here with some new information and you can kind of be a little bit smarter um, and not have any real life change. And what I don't want is for that to happen. What I do want is for us to say, Lord, as we look at this topic, would you show me one area, one way that I can obediently respond and I can receive what it is that you have? And, and I just believe if we take that posture and we come with a, a hungry anticipation to say, Lord, will you show me one thing that I can do to receive this gift in a better way? The Lord will do that. Um, and in order for that to happen, we just need to have that posture. And so would you just pray with me this morning and just ask the Lord to help you be receptive to what it is he wants to say in these moments? Father, we, we thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is not bound up in this building, but you are with every person who's watching online. Your Spirit is alive and active, drawing us close to you. Lord, I pray that today you would help all of us take one step. Whatever that might be, Lord, that you would reveal to us how we can obediently respond to your word today. And as we look at these verses as we study your word, that, that we wouldn't just grow smarter, but we would grow more obedient. Reveal to us today how we can do that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just believe that if you prayed that prayer, um, 
God's got something for you this morning. Um, I, I believe that with all of my heart. Um, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end, and he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So the same idea of peace was given to the shepherds at Jesus's birth. In, in Luke chapter 2 verses 13 to 14, there's this understanding and it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So we have this idea, we have this scriptural understanding that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that he came to bring us peace. But if you're honest this morning, and I know it's church, you're supposed to be honest, I get that. But sometimes we get really churchy and we say, oh yes, peace, peace, you know. Um, but if we're just really honest, then we would probably ask this question that's the first question in your notes. You can write it down. If Jesus came to give us peace, why is everything so messed up? I mean, now I know that doesn't sound like a really good churchy question, but if, if we're real honest, we, we're asking that question, right? Because the world is just messed up. And honestly, it's been messed up for 2,000 years. Even from the, from the time Jesus came, it has just been chaotic. And I think about Mary and Joseph, and I, I don't know. This is speculation. If you're new to church around here, and um, you know, there's, there's scripture, and then there's Brad Fink speculation. This is Brad Fink speculation. I don't know. We don't see it in scripture anywhere. But I just sometimes wonder, did Mary and Joseph kind of think to themselves, here's the Prince of Peace, and yet... We're not experiencing a lot of peace. I mean, they lived in poverty. They had to flee to Egypt to save the life of the family. They, they kind of lived under this shroud of rumor and scandal. I mean, I don't know, but maybe on their worst moments, Mary and Joseph were kind of like, you know, hey, if this is peace and if this is blessing, maybe God give that to somebody else next time. Because it doesn't feel so good to have all this peace and all of this blessing because they didn't have everything perfect in their life. We certainly don't. I, I don't know everything that's going on in your lives, but I know that there's enough chaos. I, I know in our first service, when we ended the service, and I'm going to do the same in this service, we're going to end by just giving you an opportunity to respond at the altar and, and just somehow take a step and, and say, hey, in, in one of these four ways that we're going to talk about, I want to respond. I just know these altars were packed out because there's a lot of people that aren't experiencing peace. There's a lot of us that, that aren't experiencing peace, and, and it's just a messed up world. And part of the problem is, is we have one word, but we have two different dictionaries. So we have our dictionary understanding of peace, and then there's the 
biblical understanding of peace. And those two dictionaries are different. And whenever you always have, whenever you have one word, but you have two different dictionaries, it always creates confusion. It creates problems. Um, and that's kind of what is going on with peace here. It made me think of uh, the, the famous book, The Five Love Languages. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that book, but the, the problem with the love languages uh, is described in this book um, is uh, Gary Chapman says that sometimes you'll have somebody who has this love language, and we always communicate our love language to other people. So I receive love in this way. And he says there's five ways, and I'll talk about them in a minute. But he says, you know, if, if I receive love in this way, I assume everybody else receives love the same way I receive love. So I keep giving everybody love the way I receive love. But the problem is, is if somebody else doesn't receive love the way I'm giving love, then you miss them and they don't feel loved even though you're giving them love all the time. And so you can have two people who love each other who are trying to show love to each other, but they're doing it in different ways and they completely miss each other because they have one word but two different dictionaries. And I didn't know this until this week, but um, I found out this week that there is a taco version of the five love languages. And since tacos are my love language, I thought I would share them with you. Um, so the first one is words of affirmation, uh, and this is, your tacos are delicious. The second one is acts of service, I made you tacos. The third one is receiving gifts, here's a taco. And then the fourth one is quality time, let's go for tacos together. And then there's physical touch, let me hold you like a taco. Um, so these are, you know, the, the thing is, is when you're giving love in a way that somebody else doesn't receive it, you, you miss each other. Same word, different dictionary, and that's what happens with peace. We have our cultural, worldly understanding of what peace should be, and then there's the biblical concept of what peace should be. And so, first of all, I want to look at what is the peace that we all want? What are we all really craving? And that is this, in your notes you can write down, the peace we all want is the absence of external conflict and internal stress. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you want? That's what, that's what Brad Fink wants. I mean, no external conflict and no internal stress. Check. Give me that this Christmas. Jesus, yeah, that's good. And, and if there's a, you know, where's that easy button? You know, like, can we just get some of that? Um, where's that? At? That's what we want. And yet nowhere in scripture is that kind of peace promised to us. That's the kind. And so if we don't understand that that's not the peace that scripture is promising, then we get really frustrated with God when he doesn't give us the kind of peace that we're looking for. Yes, it was promised that one day it will come. One day, when God's kingdom is brought in its completeness, in its fullness, it will come. But we're kind of in this stage of in between. God's kingdom has come in Jesus, but it's here, but not yet. It's not fully complete because right now, God is still recruiting for his kingdom. He's still inviting people to come in to his kingdom, and he has not brought it to its completion. We're told Isaiah looks forward in Isaiah 2, 4. And he talks about the day. And remember, Advent is, is not just about celebrating the first coming of Jesus. It's also looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. And it's waiting and longing for that second coming. And the peace that we want will happen at that second coming. 
There will be no more. The, the scripture says this in Isaiah 2.4. The Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore. Isaiah 11.6 says, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And the little child will lead them all. Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. We long for that day when Jesus comes and sets all those things right. But in the meantime, we need to understand this biblical promise for peace to us today. And that is this peace Uh, In your notes, you can write down the peace that we all desperately need is peace with God. And so we we say, God, when are you going to make all these wrongs right? When are you going to like clean up this messed up world? But what we need to understand is right now what's being offered to us is peace with God, not necessarily perfect peace in the world. And so Romans 3.23 says this, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So what that means is uh, there is no human who even perfectly lives up to their own standards. Think about that. When was the last time you fully lived up to your own standards? Like, we don't even do that. That's the reason we have New Year's resolutions. That's the reason January is going to roll around. And you're like, this year I'm going to do better because I like tanked it last year. You know, they, you have your standards and you don't even measure up to your own standards much less God's standards. Um, and so the reality is, and, and God doesn't grade on the curve, right? So, um, and we've talked about this before. Whenever we compare ourselves to people, we always compare ourselves to people that are worse than us. Um, you know, we're not out there like, hey, oh, man, I, I need to, every now and then we'll pick somebody. I need to strive to be more like that. But for the most part, when, when, when we compare ourselves, we're like, well, at least I'm not as bad as that. You know, like, but God doesn't grade on that curve. He says, compared to my standards, how do you do? And none of us measure up in our own ability. And it takes what Jesus did for us. And it's like, it's like all of us are condemned convicts on death row, right? We're all in a prison cell on death row, and Jesus shows up, lives this perfect life, lays down his life on the cross, takes our sin upon himself, says it is finished, paid in full. And Jesus comes through cell block D, and he just like pulls this lever and like opens up all the prison doors, and he's like, hey, come on, follow me, you're free. Come on, follow me, come on, follow me. And like, you know, if you've ever seen Shawshank Redemption, though, some of us are institutionalized. Some of us are institutionalized, and and we're like, yeah, but I really like the Wednesday's meatloaf day here in prison. And, you know, and, you know, I'm pretty comfortable in my cell here, and I feel safe in my cell here. And, and there's my friends that I have on the work crew, and and, you know, I like to work out with the guys in the yard on Saturdays, and I, you know, there's just... And, and, and we, we become institutionalized and we're like, if I follow you, I don't know what's going to be out there and I don't know what that looks like and it's hard to step out and follow it. We've been invited to freedom and to follow Jesus, but, but there are some who choose to stay in the cell. Now that's important for us to understand that because the reason that we say, God, why don't you fix all the wrongs? Why don't you make all the messes right? 
Jesus says, it's, it's not that I'm not able to make all those things right. I am. I have the power. I can do it any time. But when I come and I make all those things, all the wrongs right, and, and I come back that second time, everybody who's still in that prison cell and hasn't chosen to follow me, they don't have any more chances. That's it for them. And, and, and Jesus says, I'm waiting for their sake. I love them so much. I'm waiting. And when I understand that, and I think about the fact that well, there's still people I know, there's people I love that haven't stepped out of that prison cell yet. I'm like, okay, Jesus, you can, I'm okay if you wait a little bit longer. I, I really want that external conflict to go away and internal stress to go away, but I'm okay if you wait a little bit longer because I love those people and they haven't yet stepped out of that prison cell and I'm, I'm willing to wait. Scripture says this in 2 Peter 3, 9 through 10. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and the heavens will pass away at a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So Jesus says, I, I can come back any time, and I can set all those wrongs right, but I love people enough that I'm waiting. I'm waiting, and we can be a part of helping people step out of those cells. So Jesus never promised us a peaceful and easy life. Don't you love it when you come to church and you hear those encouraging words? Jesus never promised you a peaceful uh, and, and perfect, no-conflict life. Uh, that's just not, the, the easy life isn't what has been promised to us. John 16, Jesus said this to his followers, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. So there is peace offered. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we can have many trials and many sorrows, and we can still have peace in Jesus. That's what is being offered here to us. And, and we can join his kingdom. His Holy Spirit can be given to us. And, and we can actually have peace of mind and heart. Listen to what John 14, 27 says. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And so there is peace extended to us, um, uh, but it is a different kind of peace than we often think about. And so uh, we've watched uh, Bible Project videos in the past, and, and I, I want you to watch a three-minute Bible Project video. Uh, there's, uh, this is a, a great video that helps us understand the biblical definition of peace or shalom. Um, and I think as we understand that, it'll help us as we quickly go through these four kind of practical things we can do to cultivate peace in our lives uh, when we understand what it is the Bible is talking about a peace. So I want you to watch this video. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene, 
The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. There's a lot in that. And when we, when we understand the, the biblical understanding of peace, we can say, hey, I, that's something that I can long for. And, and so what I want us to do, I want us to understand that peace is a gift. Um, in, in the New Testament, uh, we're told that it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, and uh, because it's a gift, um, we, we can't manufacture it. In the same way that you can't, you can't create love on your own, you can't create joy, which we're going to talk about next week on your own. It is a gift. It's a byproduct of a relationship with the Lord. Uh, but there are certain things, uh, when you think about fruit, that you can do to cultivate the soil of your life so that you bear more fruit. And there are some things that you can do practically this week, this season, 
to cultivate the soil of your life to produce more peace. And I just want to give us four of those practical things uh, quickly with the time we have left. And we're going to go just a little bit long, just so you know. That's your early heads up. So, but I'll go fast. Number one is peace with God. And, and this is what we've been talking about, um, this, uh, this relationship between us and the Lord, finding peace with Him. Romans 5.1 tells us, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.10 says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have the opportunity to be set free. He, he comes in and he, he sets, sets those prison doors open and he invites us to follow him and have peace with God. And, and that is really the first step. And if you're here today, if you're watching online and you've never stepped across that line to have peace with God, don't leave here today before you make that decision. And, and you say, Lord, I, I want to step out of that prison cell and I want to follow you. Uh, I, I don't... I don't want to be institutionalized anymore. I want to, I want to follow you in freedom. And, and then the second thing is, is this, is peace of God. So you have to have the vertical peace with God before you can have the internal peace of God. And we all want that internal peace of God, but it really starts with the vertical. Uh, I've heard it said this way, you'll never experience the peace of God until you enter a relationship with the God of peace. And think about that. You'll, you'll never experience the peace of God until you enter in a relationship with the God of peace. So the way that we cultivate, so if you're a follower of Jesus already, you're saying, okay, well, step one, yes, I've already, I've already made that decision to follow Jesus. The way you can begin to cultivate more peace of God in your life is through prayer. We're told in Philippians this, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's like we've got this load of stuff that we're carrying, and it's so much, and there's all these burdens, and there's all these things, and we're anxious about so many of them. And God says, you don't, if you're my follower, you don't have to carry that. You can bring it to me. You don't have to be anxious about those things. You can lay it at my feet. You can't do anything about that anyway, so quit being anxious about it. Give it to me. I'm the only person who can do something about it. I'm the only one powerful enough and big enough to, to intervene in the situations that you're worried about and you're anxious about. Give it to me and say, I'm going to let you have that. And again, if, if you're carrying a lot of those things and if you're anxious and if you're, if you're weighed down with some things this morning, even as we have this closing time of prayer, I invite you to just come and lay some things at the altar. Just say, God, I'm not going to carry that anymore and lay it down. Now, you might have to lay it down again. You, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and you're going to have to lay it down again. And then the next day, you're going to have to lay it down again. But it starts with laying it down that first time. And just saying, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. And, and through prayer and petition, we can find peace, uh, the peace of God. And so um, it, it, it's God's peace. I love this in that verse. It says the peace of God. It's God's peace. And the only way you can have it 
is when he gives it to us. And the only way that happens is when we give him all of our junk in exchange for his peace. And so uh, the third one, in that video, it talked a lot about shalom. And shalom was wholeness or completeness. And so the third thing is this. You need to unfragment your life. You need to unfragment your life. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Um, how many of you have ever defragged a computer? Let me just see. Raise your hand if you've ever defragged a computer. All right, a handful of you. Way more hands in this service than the first. I'm just going to say. It was like five in the first service. Um, they were all IT people. Um, so if you've never defragged a computer, you probably need to, unless you have a Mac, and then I don't think you have to do that with Macs. Um, and so, but if, if you have a PC and you haven't ever defragged it, you probably need to, because what happens is, is after a long time, your computer gets fragmented, the hard drive gets fragmented, and when you defrag it, it kind of brings it back and it, it helps it run faster and smoother, but, but whenever a, a computer or your life gets fragmented, you can't experience wholeness and peace when you have a fragmented life. And so oftentimes what happens is we have these fragmented lives where we have, well, this is the church self that I have, um, and this is my work self over here. Or this is, my, um, this is my at home and this is my at school. Or this is my, um, I'm, you know, when I'm with this group of friends, I'm like this. And when I'm with that group of friends, I'm like that. When we, we somehow have a fragmented life where instead of being one whole complete person where we're always consistent with who we are all the time, we, we have this fragmented life. And whenever you have a fragmented life, you'll never experience peace. Because peace is wholeness. The, the biblical understanding of peace is shalom, wholeness, completeness. And too many of us have these fragmented lives. And, and the, the way to move into a, a, a whole life where you've been fragmented is to start being transparent and com completely transparent with at least one person. And so this is the reason I always encourage you, you need to have one accountability partner in your life. If you're a man, you need another man in your life who you can be fully, uh, completely transparent with. If you're a lady, you need to have another lady in your life who is just an accountability partner, somebody that can pray with you, somebody that you can talk through. But it starts with one person that you can be fully complete with, and then that enables you to start moving out beyond that one person to start having a whole life. But as long as you have a fragmented life, you will never experience the peace that God offers you and promises to you. So you need to defragment your life uh, and you need to become more whole. Uh, and then the last one is this, be a peacemaker. Now don't pack up yet because we're not done, but this is the last note, be a peacemaker. Um, be a peacemaker. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19 to 20, it says this, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. And God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. So we experience peace with God. And after we experience peace with God, we, we begin to learn to pray and to give God all of our needs so that we start experiencing more peace of God internally. And then we begin to kind of move our life from being fragmented to whole. And we do that by being obedient and doing the things that God tells us to do. And in James, it says, confess your sins to one another. And as we confess to one another and as we are transparent with one another, we begin to move from having multiple selves to having one whole and complete self. And then it's our job to be ambassadors 
and to be able to share peace with people who are around us. Matthew 5, 9 says this. Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. It's interesting uh, that God didn't call us to be peacekeepers. He called us to be peacemakers because working for peace is hard work. It's, it's not easy. There is no easy peace button. Um, there's, just, there's going to be difficulties and trials and hardships, but we're called to be peace workers. Romans 12, 18 says, do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. So that means there's what you can do. And uh, you, it doesn't say you have to be in peace with everyone. It says do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. And so you need to do your part. You need to do all you can do and then trust that God will do the rest and trust that God will work and intervene uh, on your behalf. Uh, Romans 14, 19 says, Lay out, uh, lays out our responsibility. It says this, So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. And so, uh, Jim Cimbala, in your notes, I have a quote from Jim Cimbala. I love this. He says, the Holy Spirit is a dove that soars away where, when there is division. And so, um, there's just this understanding that we're called to, to do the work of peace, to do the work of building each other up, to do the work of what Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need that it may benefit those who listen. So in other words, whenever we are, are talking with others, we have the opportunity to build others up. And we're called to do that. We're called to be peacemakers in that way. And, and when you hear someone who has an issue with another person, you're called to say, hey, go talk to them. Like, that's what we're called to do. And if somebody else is tearing someone else down, be someone who is a blessing and immediately jump in and say something positive. Instead of, like, dogpiling on whatever it is, just say, you know what? Uh, but, and then you just be someone who builds people up all the time, just always speaking life, always building up. And, and when we do that, we will be the kinds of peacemakers that God has called us to be. And so... Um, we're going to close with prayer, and we're going to have our musicians come back in just a moment. But before we pray, I just want to remind you, we're going to, as we sing uh, this song in just a moment, uh, we are going to have these altars open. And, and I, there, there are some of us who need to step across the line for the first time, and we need to make peace with God. There are some of us who we already have peace with God, but we're carrying a lot of things that we're anxious about and we're burdened about. And, and we just need to bring some things to the altar today and say, Lord, I'm going to give this to you. I need some peace of God, and I need to not be anxious about this anymore. I'm going to give it to you. There are others of us in this room who are fragmented. We've got multiple selves. And, and we need to start moving toward wholeness and ask the Lord to help us be bold and, and to find one person to be transparent with and to move into being a complete person. And there are others of us who just, we need to, we need to work for peace. There's, there's some areas that, that we don't have peace with others and we need to be peacemakers and we need to do all that we can do uh, to be people that work towards peace. And so I just, I, I want us to be sensitive to that. And so we're going to pray together. Uh, and then as we sing in just a moment, uh, these altars will be open, but bow your heads with me. Father, our heart's desire is that you would work in us in a way that we can't ourselves this morning. Lord, this morning we, we surrender again to you fully. We, 
We want to make room for you in our lives. We want to make room for you to do whatever it is you need to do. And Lord, for those who are here today who haven't stepped across that line and they've not experienced peace with you, I pray that today they would understand that you have done everything to set them free. They simply need to choose to begin to follow you, surrender to you, and, and choose your way instead of their way. And Lord, that they would step out of that cell today and choose life. Lord, for those who are just carrying burdens this morning, may today, even as we sing this song, be an opportunity for us to just leave some things at an altar. Lord, that we would just visually uh, envision that we're just taking this load of things that we're anxious about and we're just going to leave it at the altar and we're not going to take it home with us. We're thankful that as we do that, you can give us peace that uh, it goes beyond anything we can understand. And Lord, for those who are here that have some fragmented lives, they've got their different selves in different places and different locations, different times of the day. God, may they move towards wholeness. May today be a day where they just come and ask you to help them move towards wholeness in some way. And Lord, help us to be peacemakers. For those times and places and moments where we don't have peace with others, that that we would choose to be obedient to you and that we would live in harmony with one another and we would do everything in our power to have peace, that we would do everything we can to, to only speak in ways that build others up. Lord, help us to do that. It's hard. and We all miss it at times. I pray that you would just give us your grace in these moments. And we'll give you the praise when you help us experience your biblical peace in the now. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand together? And I love that away in the manger and mixed in with that song because when, when we surrender and we make room for the Lord in our lives, then God makes room for us in heaven for all of eternity. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing. I, I want you to hear these words. Um, from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. And as you go from here, um, and as you go with a new understanding of what biblical peace is and how you can be a part of cultivating that in your life, hear these words over you. May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Go in his peace. You're dismissed.